Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his message in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, The Genealogy of Jesus Christ, preached on December 8, 1996. The Genealogy of Jesus Christ. Genealogy is not what one would look forward to reading with great delight. There is no question it can be extremely boring. Have you tried reading First Chronicles, the first nine chapters? Most people, including preachers, skip these chapters. And you probably have done that. Just admit it this morning. Now, as you open the New Testament, Matthew begins his gospel with the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He traces the genealogy in a descending order from Abraham to Jesus, unlike Luke, who traces the genealogy in an ascending order from Jesus to David to Abraham to Adam himself. Mark certainly does not uh, give a genealogy. John in his gospel traces the origin of our Lord to eternity. He says in the beginning was the word The word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. For him, the beginning is eternity. Micah, the prophet prophesied, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old from ancient times. Now let's look at the title that you find. The title as found in verse 1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Literally, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And there are questions about this title. It could be that this is title to the genealogical list that you find from verse 1 chapter 1 verse 2 through 17 or it may be a title a caption to the first two chapters of Matthew that speaks about the birth of Jesus Christ or according to other scholars it could be a title to the entire gospel of Matthew a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ Son of David, son of Abraham, Matthew says. Now we notice this phrase, a record of the genealogy or a book of 
degeneration. We see this phrase in the Greek translation of the Old Testament called Septuagint. In the book of Genesis chapter 5 verse 1. There we read this is the written account of Adam's line. So Matthew gives us a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the last Adam. Who will make all things new. There will be through him a new creation. A new man. New heaven. And a a new earth. Now here he is called Jesus. This is a shortened form of the longer form Jehoshua. Or Jeshua. The emphasis in this name Jesus is on the action that he does. Which is salvation, saving. His name is Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And notice that he calls all people to come to him. And that he will give them rest. He is also called Christ here. It means Messiah. The spirit anointed one. Jesus is the Christ. One who has been qualified to do a task. First of all the task of revealing God. Which is the task of a prophet. And also secondly. The task of saving sinners. And which is the task of a priest. Who offered himself. As the perfect and sufficient sacrifice. For our sins. Secondly the task of dominion. That he Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the one who will rule and reign all. Now he himself later said, if you turn with me to Luke chapter 4 and beginning with verse 18 about this anointing. He was reading from the book of Isaiah, the 61st chapter. And here it is, Luke 4, 18 He read, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the ear of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Truly Jesus is the Christ, anointed prophet, priest, and king. He is the prophet that Moses spoke about. One like unto me will be raised up. And you must listen to him. And if you don't listen to him, you will be judged, we are told in Deuteronomy 18. And concerning him, the father himself said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. This beloved son, Jesus Christ, came as the prophet to declare to us who God is. And how we can be saved. But he is also priest, anointed priest. Not after the order of Aaron, 
but we are told in Psalm 110 after the order of Melchizedek a priest forever and not only that he is king and we read about that in Psalm 2 and verse 6 a king who rules with an iron scepter now we are told here in the title in the caption Jesus Christ son of David and what does this mean son of David and Matthew of course is harking back to the Davidic covenant as recorded in 2nd Samuel chapter 7 God promised to David that to his offspring he will establish the throne of his kingdom forever 2nd Samuel 7 and verse 16 we read your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me your throne will be established forever who is that offspring that seed of David certainly was not Solomon that seed is Jesus Christ that offspring of David was not Solomon, but Jesus Christ, says Matthew. David was the great warrior who conquered all the enemies of Israel. And here is the genealogy of David's son, whose kingdom is forever, and who, as king of kings and lord of lords, shall conquer all his enemies and bring about eternal peace and salvation for his people. Yes, he is the son of David. But we are told in Matthew 22, verse 41 and through 46, this one who is the son of David is also the Lord of David. And yes, Isaiah spoke about this son of David, chapter 11 of Isaiah. And we read this interesting prophecy. 750 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. In other words, the tree of the Davidic kingdom is cut down. You notice this genealogy is given in three sections. The first section speaks about the rise of the Davidic kingdom. And the second section speaks about its decline. And the third section speaks about the eclipse of this kingdom. It is a tree that is cut down. What is left there is simply a stump. But notice Isaiah sees it. He says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. For chapter 9 of Isaiah, Beginning with verse 6, we are told, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom 
establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. That is what Matthew is speaking here. That is this one. is the son of David. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who will conquer all his enemies and bring about peace and salvation for his people. Not only that, he is son of Abraham, we are told. Matthew has reference to the Abrahamic covenant. And you could see that if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. There we are told in the first three verses. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And notice, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And you see in the 17th chapter of Genesis, verse 6 through 8, we read this. I will make you very fruitful. I will come. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And when we go on to the 22nd chapter and verse 18, we find an interesting reference there. And it is God's word to Abraham. And through your offspring, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. It's not through you. It is through your offspring. And who do you think that offspring is? That is what Matthew has in mind. That offspring through whom all the peoples of the earth will be blessed is Jesus Christ. Of course, when you look at Isaac, it's interesting to notice how he was born. There was supernatural activity. In the life of Abraham as well as Sarah. In accordance with God's own promise. And then you look at Jesus. There is supernatural activity. Both were supernatural. But only one person was virgin born. That was Jesus Christ. Now that Jesus Christ. Not Isaac. But this Jesus Christ is the offspring Abraham, through whom all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, St. Paul, of course, makes it very, very clear in the 16th verse of Galatians chapter 3. This seed of Abraham, through whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed, St. Paul identifies beyond a shadow of doubt as Jesus. Not only that this one is the seed of David and And seed of Abraham. Let's look at this one. Is also the seed of Judah. Now turn to this boring genealogy for a moment. In verse 3 it says. Judah 
Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez. Why not Reuben? He was the oldest. Why not Simeon? Why not Levi? Why not Joseph? He was a very nice guy. Why Judah? Have you ever considered that? The answer is, it is because of divine election. God is sovereign and he does what he pleases. Who can tell him what he is doing or why he is doing? Who can thwart his purposes? Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that. Job had to learn that. God is sovereign. He does what he wants and what he pleases. And all what he does is just and true and right. He's the sovereign Lord. Now you know Judah. He was not an honorable character. He routinely committed adultery, engaged in prostitution. Yet why Judah? God's choosing is according to his own sovereign will. So Paul says in Romans 9 verse 16... It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. And not only that, Jacob, before he died, prophesied this in the 49th chapter of Genesis and verse 10. The Spirit of God came upon him and he is prophesying right before his death. Yes, there was Joseph, there was Reuben, there was Simeon, there was Levi. Everybody is there, but here Jacob says, the scepter, that's rulership, will not depart from Judah, nor Reuben, not even Joseph, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nations is his. From Judah came David. And from whom came Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Divine determination, divine election, divine good pleasure. Now let's look at, secondly, some abnormality of this genealogy. This genealogy is not very regular. First of all, we see some women in this genealogy. There are five women in this list. Normally Jewish genealogical lists do not contain names of women. Women were regarded not as person but as thing. And you could read Professor Barclay in his study on Matthew. He says she was merely the possession of her father or husband to dispense with her the way he wanted In the regular form of morning prayer, the Jew thanked God that he had not made him a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. So the names of these women in this genealogy is instantly surprising. And first you see Tamar. Now we know Tamar was a Gentile, a Canaanite. She played the role of a prostitute. She was the daughter-in-law of Judah. And Judah fathered Paris and Sarah via prostitution. Yet her name is in this genealogy. And one of her sons 
is in the genealogical record of the ancestry of Jesus. Think about that. Shocking, surprising. Secondly, look at Rahab there. A Gentile, a prostitute. She probably was the number one prostitute in the city of Jericho. Yet, she is in this list. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 31, we are told of her faith in her God. She believed God and was saved as she became the mother of Boaz, the ancestor of David and Jesus. And then there is third, the Ruth. Ruth, you know, was a foreigner, a Moabitess. And the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23 and verse 3, prohibited any Moabite or any of his descendants enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. Yet there is Ruth in this genealogy, a true believer. You see that, and when you read that wonderful book on Ruth, a true believer, and wife of Boaz, and mother of Obed. And then there's a fourth woman, not named, but stated as Uriah's wife. And we know her as Bathsheba. Probably she was also a Gentile, according to some scholars. But we know she was an adulteress. David was a murderer and an adulterer, a thief. Yet in divine plan, Bathsheba is included in the genealogy of the Holy One, Jesus Christ. This inclusion of Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba tells us that Jesus Christ breaks down all barriers of race, Jew and Gentile. Or distinction of sex, male, female. Or any other distinction, righteous and unrighteous, saint and sinner. Truly in the seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. With God, let me tell you, there is no respect to persons. He shows mercy to whomever he desires to show mercy. And let me tell you, the inclusion of these names of these women should give us great hope. The Bible says, whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. No difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and all must be saved. And the Savior, Jesus Christ, will not discriminate. He will receive all people who will come to him in faith. For that matter, the inclusion of men should give us great hope too. Look at Abraham, a man who lied to save himself and his skin again and again. He is not very chivalrous. He was timid and self-protective. Look at Isaac, one who lied for his own benefit and put his wife's life in jeopardy. Look at Jacob, a cheat and a schemer. Look at Judah, an immoral person. Look at David, a lustful, scheming, murderer and adulterer. But God has chosen them and are included in this genealogy and especially in the book of life. Oh, there is none righteous All have sinned. Therefore, let us be encouraged by this genealogical list. 
it tells us God shows mercy to Gentiles, to Jews, to sinners, to the outcasts in his son, Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Let me tell you, everyone in this list is a sinner. Everyone. Except one, you find the grand climax of this genealogy. There is one who is son of God, the Holy One, the sinless one. And he is placed at that grand climax to give hope to Abraham and David and Judah and Jacob and Tamar and Rahab and Bathsheba and Ruth. And now for you and for me, there is a Savior. Don't you see the glory and the wonder of this genealogy? Brother Abraham, David, Joseph, or Mary, mother of Jesus. Jesus was born to save them and us sinners. But not only that, there is another anomaly here in this record of genealogy. Now we, in the King James Version, we are familiar with this endless repetition, 39 times, of the word begat. Now, of course, the New International Version puts it farther off. The Greek word, of course, is genao. It appears about 40 times in chapter 1, verse 1 through 17. Yet 39 times it is used in the active voice to express the begetting or fathering activity of the male parent, the impregnating of the female ovum. Every person in this genealogy was born due to the begetting activity of a male parent except Jesus. Now let's look at Verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, comma, the husband of Mary, comma, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Ex his egenete Jesus, ho legomenos Christos. Jacob begat Joseph, and then we are supposed to hear what? Joseph begat Jesus through Mary. That's what we are supposed to hear. But the pattern is broken down. That's not what the text says. It simply says Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, from whom was born Jesus, the one called Christ. Matthew suddenly breaks the begat pattern with reference to Joseph. And he tells us in non-certain terms that Joseph did not father beget Jesus. That is his purpose. Now in the 40th time of the use of this word genao, the verb genao is used in the passive voice. Ex his egenete Jesus Holegomenos Christos was born. That's passive voice. 
It is called divine passive. Joseph, husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus called Christ. Now, if you have Greek text, if you have only English text, you, you will have some question about of whom. It could be of Joseph. I mean, that's a possible way of interpreting it in the English language. But you see, Greek is more precise. And so that of whom the relative pronoun is in the feminine form. That fixes the meaning. There is no more doubt of whom means what? Of Mary. Not of Joseph. And later on he will tell you who acted. Beginning with verse 18, the text will tell us who acted to bring about this pregnancy. So notice this anomaly, this abnormality, this breaking down a pattern. Joseph did not beget Jesus. Jesus was born of Mary by a supernatural action. And turn with me to verse 18. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together she was found. Another passive to be with child. Now we are told what? Through Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. And go to verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is what? From the Holy Spirit. And now we'll look at verse 23. Matthew is quoting Isaiahic prophecy. The virgin will be with child and so on. Again, the emphasis, not Joseph the father of Jesus. And then look at verse 25. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. All these ways the writer Matthew is telling us what? This was a supernatural affair and brought about a virgin birth. Now let's turn for some enlightenment. This Genesis chapter 5, there is again a certain pattern and then it is broken. In Genesis chapter 5, beginning verse 4. Now you see this refrain. In Hebrew it is called Wayamuth. What does that mean? And he died. And you see, you hear again, and he died. And he died. Just like in, in this chapter, begat, begat, begat. You hear this, and he died. Except when we come to verse 24. Enoch walked with God. And then there is a breakdown. And it says what? Then he was no more because what? God took him away. So there is... An analogy there. Just like that over here. Begat, begat, begat. And all of a sudden it breaks down. So this, this one is conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost. In fact Luke chapter 1 verse 35. We are told this Holy One. He is called Holy One. St. Paul says he who knew no sin. 
St. Paul in Romans 8 verse 3 and following says, God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He is trying to tell you he was without sin and yet he had a body. Or turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 7. And let me read to you from verse 26. Unlike everybody else, this one was born because of the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit in the person of Mary. This one was without sin. Such a high priest meets our need. One who is what? Holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins. Because he didn't have any. He was holy. He was blameless. He is set apart from sinners. Well, we have to have one like that. God, man, at the climax of this genealogy. So that Abraham and David and Judah and Tamar and you and me can look to him and be saved. He is the eternal son of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. This incarnation did not in any way diminish his deity. But the divine person acquired a sinless, permanent human soul and human body through Mary. God became flesh for our salvation. I told you about the three divisions in this list and he speaks about he emphasized the business of 14 have you ever wondered about that this 14 and 14 and 14 even though in one section there are only 13 names there are all kinds of problems here we are not here to resolve them but what about this 14 business well some people would say it is arranged in 14 so that people can memorize others would say The 14 is the value of the name of David. You see, in Hebrew language, the Hebrew letter also was a symbol for a number. So every word had a numerical value. Of course, the Hebrew doesn't include vowels because that's a late invention. So we are talking about consonants. David had, has three consonants, D, W, and what? D. The value of D is what? Four. The value of W, six. Hmm? And the value of D again is four. And so altogether it is what? Fourteen. Four plus six plus four, fourteen. So maybe the writers is speaking about the central importance of whom? David. And the son of David. And Matthew is telling us Jesus Christ is David, son of David three times. He's the great David. And David's son. But look at this division. From Abraham to David, the king. 
And as I said, this section speaks about the rise of the glory of Israel. Because of the kingdom in the person of David. He was the warrior king. He conquered all enemies. He established Israel. And then the second division from David to exile in Babylon. This section speaks of the decline of the glory of Israel. And then the third section from the exile to Jesus. This section speaks of the eclipse of the glory of the kingdom of Israel. Six centuries now passed since the loss of the throne. Now the question is, has God abandoned his covenant to Abraham, to Jacob, and to David? Did God's promise become untrustworthy? Israel is in exile. Yes, some have returned, and yet under foreign domination they live. Where is the throne of David? That is to endure forever in his offspring as God had promised long ago. But as you read the genealogy, now after the complete eclipse of the glory of the kingship of Israel, there is the name Jesus who is called Christ at the climax of this list. What is it saying to us? There is the rising glory of Israel after the eclipse of 600 years. God is faithful. His promise is sure. Son of David has come, the great warrior king. He goes conquering and to conquer. He will defeat all his enemies. Sin and Satan and death. Here comes the moment of extreme hopelessness. There is Finally, we are told here, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband and Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ, means king. Remember, Gabriel said to Mary, this is what he said, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. After 600 years, yes, the sun has risen with the healing in his wings in the person of Jesus, son of Mary, son of David, son of Abraham. Hallelujah. But, let me tell you one more thing. He is the seed of the woman. Long ago, the Lord God promised us in the Proto-Evangelium of Genesis 3.15. And this is what it says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This seed of the woman. We recognize as the seed of Abraham, the seed of Judah, the seed of David, the holy seed of the woman Mary. This seed of the woman who crushes the head of Satan is now identified as Jesus. On the cross he said it is finished. And St. Paul says he defeated all authority by the cross. He destroyed death in behalf of us. By his death and brought us life eternal. He said to his disciples, rejoice, cheer up. 
I have overcome the world. Son of Abraham, son of David, Jesus who is called Christ. Why this boring genealogical list in the opening chapter of this gospel? Let me tell you why. To prove beyond the shadow of dawn, Jesus Christ is the son of David, the great king whose kingdom shall be forever. Oh, they said you are a fornication. At least they tried to imply. Somehow Jesus Christ is illegitimate. You see that. John chapter 8 and verse 41. But here is a genealogical record that speaks about his pedigree. Joseph is a son of David via Solomon. And this Joseph adopted Jesus, born of Mary. Jesus is therefore the legal heir to that throne because Joseph, a son of David, is his legal father by adoption. In New Testament times, genealogical records were available. These records were probably kept by the Sanhedrin. It is said that these records were available till the end of the first century. In other words, during the reign of Domitian. These genealogical records of Jewish people were available. Joseph was of the house of David. We are told in Luke chapter 2 and verse 4. It is interesting that no one dared to challenge the claim of Jesus that he is the Messiah. They could have done that. They could have easily gone to the public record place and show that Joseph is not a legal heir to the throne. Nobody did challenge. The record was clear. Jesus is the son of David, the promised Messiah. Peter spoke about that, that God made him both Lord and Christ, Messiah. Paul said about Jesus, who as to his human nature, a descendant of David. 2 Timothy 2.8, Paul says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David, meaning king. But let's listen to Jesus himself. In Revelation 22 verse 16. I'm the root and the offspring of David. The bright and morning star. He's speaking about Isaiah prophecy. A shoot out of the stump of Jesse. Now let me tell you brothers and sisters. And all those who hear my voice. To this one. Jesus. People cried out. Remember the Canaanite woman. Whose daughter was demonized. A Gentile. And she comes to Jesus Christ and this is what she said. Lord, son of David, have mercy upon me. And she received mercy. And her daughter received mercy. Or Matthew 20 verse 30, two blind men. And they saw Jesus coming and what did they cry out? Lord, son of David, have mercy upon me. And they received mercy instantly. Now the question is, are you getting excited about this genealogy? Because at the end of it is Jesus, the Christ. Do you recognize the glory of this genealogy? He is the meaning 
for history. Without him, history has no meaning. Look at this genealogy. It doesn't say one thing about pharaohs of Egypt or kings of Nineveh or kings of Babylon or kings of Medo-Persia. Or it doesn't say one thing about Alexander the Great. doesn't say one thing about Augustus. Meaning to history is found in Jesus Christ alone. Do you recognize him? He is the son of David, the great warrior, the conqueror. He goes out conquering and to conquer. He is the one who rules with an iron scepter. He is the savior of the world and he is the king of the nations. This genealogy tells us Jesus is the son of David, the seed of David, the great king, conqueror of all enemies, and the giver of salvation for his people. Now the question is, do you believe in this genealogy? Do you believe in his identity? There is no other name given among men that we must be saved. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's think a little bit. The claim that is made here. Join that Canaanite woman. Join those blind men. And cry out and say what? Lord, son of David. Jesus, what? Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. You may think this is simply another little scripture. Or you can entertain that thought. You don't have to believe in anything. But one day let me assure you. As Jacob prophesied the obedience of the nations. Is his. Not nation. Nations. The Samaritan woman said he is the savior of the world. What wonder. What grandeur. What majesty. What greatness. In this name that is given to us at the end of the list. That he may save those who are in the list. Hallelujah. Including his own mother Mary. Praise you O God. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Children, young people, older people, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you put your trust in this alone Savior who is able to save to the uttermost. Amen.